Welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Krish. At the Weather of the Mind, we're trying to bring you practical approaches to emotional health week by week and also trying to uh, provide uh, encouragement and wish you well and say, hey, we're all in this together, living and learning. So join us for the next 20 minutes or so. And we'll see what we got. Please share the show with people who you think might appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Today's episode is entitled The River Meanders. Or just the river. Because every river meanders. But in this case, we're looking at 42 Up and we're looking at the life. We're looking at biography. And if we study biography, in this case, if we observe the biography of 14 children as they grow to be adults every seven years, as we study that biography, what themes emerge, what lessons emerge. And at 42 Up, I felt like the core lesson was the river. The river meanders. A reminder that the river meanders. Because that is a fundamental part of the river. This flow of water. It knows where it needs to go, and it's going to follow the path of least resistance downhill. It's going to work with the terrain. It's not going to try to fight through it. Now, but why does every river meander, and why does every river need to meander? That's a great question, which is maybe a topic for a whole other podcast. But in this episode, we're going to look at three of our characters, Susie, Nick, and Neil. And we're going to listen to uh, two to three-minute excerpts of the interviews with them because they really struck some beautiful notes, some beautiful insights, and some clear examples of the meanders and how they're reacting to it. If Have the meanders been good? Have they been bad? Or what, what goes on with that? And what, it, what, what these meanders bring up with us and how we, how we weather those changes. So... We're going to hear first from Susie. And Susie's talking about midlife crossroads. Susie, if you remember, she was the one who was at 21, was smoking. She was a very distant and kind of seemingly aloof teenager. But she has settled in this really solid, solid family life and marriage and has been a stay at home mom and is looking at the transition now that her kids are becoming teenagers and she sees that they'll be moving out of the house soon and having their own life so she's reflecting upon that so let's begin there tom will be away at university whatever in, a, in another couple of years and they'll all get on and make their own lives um that's all the mid-40s is a crossroads for for people because their lives do change and i don't want to just suddenly find when the children have gone, I've got nothing to my life. Um, I'm not very good at sitting around doing nothing. I, I have to be doing something. I have to have a goal or something to try and achieve. The more she went through the stages of bereavement, the bigger the space became. But the actual grief... Doesn't go away. Doesn't actually go away ever, but just... Became... I got into bereavement counselling about four years ago. Interestingly enough... It can be very harrowing. It's very difficult, which is why all counsellors need a supervisor, because you come out sometimes from a session mentally and emotionally drained. Because she was coming more to terms with what happened. 
it's an extraordinary experience when you meet someone who is suffering terribly and over the months you see them move on, you see them get their life back together again. At 28, Susie's father died. It is terribly hard and even now I still can't believe my father's not here. It's still sinking in, I think. My mother had been ill before, but when I started the course, I didn't know quite how ill she was then. And then we found out she had fairly terminal cancer when I was halfway through the course. And I did wonder whether I could carry on, because it was quite difficult going to the course every week and, and listening to other people, what they'd gone through. But in a strange way, it helped me. You know as well as I do that if you've got a complicated bereavement... Like so I came through the course and my mother died just after that. Um, but I did find it a help doing it because I just felt I wasn't alone. And I think that's the whole point of bereavement counselling is that people feel very alone when they've lost someone very close to them. And a lot of people don't, ha don't have someone to turn to. I think Susie did a great job here, uh, recognizing the challenges of uh, midlife transitions, of having this really amazing devoted project of raising a family, but then kind of um, reaching the retirement of that stage and moving on to the next stage. And she did a great job of, um, she's doing a great job of looking forward to that and 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 planning how she'd like to uh, keep busy and keep uh, interested and engaged. And so she, she decided to become this bereavement counselor. And it sounds, it sounds like it's, it's really valuable to her. And what's cool is her insight, too, is one of the most important things is to let people know they're not alone. People in transition are very vulnerable. You are going through bereavement. You lost someone close to you. You have to feel that there are people there to pick you up and carry you through that most intense part. So really awesome insights uh, from Susie, I thought. Now we're gonna shift gears a little bit and we're gonna talk about Nicholas of the Dales. Remember Nicholas of the Dales? He was just a little, little guy as a seven-year-old walking around the farm, the family farm in a remote part of England. So when he's since moved to, I believe, Wisconsin and became a professor, and he's been in the States for 15 or 20 years. So he's quite separate from his life there, but he also has a great reverence for where he's from. So this is an, a small portion of the show where I want to think about roots and how our roots relate to us as we, as we mm, evolve and change and grow. We still have this relationship to where we're from. And some people, the relationship is more powerful, more palpable, more more grounding than others. And coming from this rural er rural area, Nick has a really strong connection to that place. So let's hear what he has to say about that. And one other point of clarification: the family name is Hitchens, and they're going to be talking about the end of the end of the line because not only is he reflecting upon his roots and visiting back to England, but they are in the process of selling the family land. So the roots, he's revisiting, but they're also moving on. They're also moving, changing hands. So it's kind of a bittersweet excerpt. So you're all away. So the Hitchens are finished here. 
Yes, the Hitchens are certainly largely uprooted from here, aren't they? Look, I'm the only child in the village except for my baby brother. Well, this is Arncliffe School, which is where my brother and I went to school from age five to ten. And there's the church where we're all christened and everything and used to go to harvest festivals and things there. What did you learn here, do you think, that you've carried with you? Well, you just look at this place and it's utterly beautiful, but not beautiful in a sort of pretty cutesy way. I, t I think of it as being magnificent, but rather, rather grim, really. I, I sort of feel as if you could look deep somewhere inside me. I feel like there's some of this in there somewhere, and it's a rather dour, but uh, just a wonderful, it, it's very uncompromising, and sometimes it's rather tragic, but you know, it uh, makes other places you go seem rather trivial as well. I'm just enormously proud of having come from here, and the people around, you know, the idea of being a Dales person is really terribly important to me. What you see, that's so magnificent to the the clouds sweeping by all the time air and cloud and water continually sweeping over you I mean there's a poetic side to that you know, I would be looking at these and thinking now how does a cloud work and when you come down to it what I do when I'm trying to solve equations it's the same equations that describe clouds and water and air flowing around so from a scientific point of view that I relate back to this sort of thing. There's SSSIs, there's ESAs, there's LFAs. There's... It's hard being away from your roots, isn't it? Terribly hard. I mean, it's hard in lots and lots of ways. I mean, if you go to an alien culture, you don't know what's going on around you half the time. It's really strange to go to a different country. People don't send out the same signals. I could try and... It's frightening. It's I could frightening. try and get in the landlord. It's very hard to imagine being able to come back here, and I, I do, I think about it a lot, but um, I haven't seen the way to do it yet. In some sense, it never really belonged to me. I mean, part of me would love to own a stake in it, but I really don't own any of it. But the other thing is that I've had to move out of here, and I think that the way the world is, it's very hard to stay in one place. People are forced to move constantly. The history of this century has a lot of examples where people moved or should have moved and professionally and in lots of other ways, it's really important that people are always thinking about what's happening around them and how they have to react to it. Beauty's transient, so maybe we can come by here and uh, visit it but unfortunately, I'm not going to be permitted to be here very much. When I hear Nick speak of his roots, I think about my own roots. I think about our own roots um, as humans, as Americans, as French people, as, as well, whoever you are. You know, where, where do you, wh what is your story of roots and how does it ground you? How does it support you? And how does it change? I think, I think how we perceive our roots is really, it's a fundamental aspect. 
And Nick also makes a good point about how things are changing rapidly, especially in this past century, and moving is more possible and um, more inviting than ever before. But it still is a choice. I mean, he if it was 200 years ago, he probably would have stayed on and been a family farmer. And would that have been a better life? Would that have been a worse life? Um, I don't know. Um, it's how, how do we evaluate these things? Because certainly, if he's a professor in, uh, in the university system in the United States, he's financially better off. But if he had become a farmer in the Dales, maybe he'd be a little bit more physically exhausted. But he might also be a lot physically stronger. But he might be closer to more financial vulnerability. But that closeness to financial vulnerability might have made him... Um, just even more closer and reverential to that that Dale's earth and soil and and the animals. So I, I don't know. It's unclear. Uh, it's, it, it brings up questions of human progress and what is the goal of our lives and as individuals and as a society. How do we balance um, material security versus w- with uh, emotional security? So there's a lot of food for thought. Again, I'm using this. This up series as almost a uh, a brainstorming. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost like a ramp to jump off of and explore different notions of biography, elements, core elements of biography. So if we think of biography and we think of a river, how does the notion of a root? What is what is the what is the roots? In, in this, do we do we mix these metaphors of roots and rivers? I'm not sure, but that's what we're playing with and trying to figure out today. But as we stick with this river notion and the meanders of rivers, one of our characters, Neil, has had, I would say, a tough lot in life because he is a sweet, caring, thoughtful guy, but someone who has followed his own path and it has led him to very isolated and. Mm, often financially poor situations he certainly he certainly has wandered he certainly has meandered and last time we saw him in a we saw him up in Shetland up in Scotland and he did not look well from 21 up 28 up 35 up those last three episodes he has been struggling and semi-homeless and really I would say just struggling to find his niche in modern society But in this episode, we see a really great improvement. Neil has returned to London. He works for Hackney Town Hall as elected city council official. Uh, He was elected two years ago and is up for re-election at at the recording this broadcast. Now, he was hosted by Bruce, another member of this broadcast, Bruce, who was the one who was devoted to the missionary work as a youngster and has been a lifelong teacher in inner cities and in, in India. Well, Bruce is back in London and he hosted Neil for the first two months when Neil got back into town. So we'll first hear Neil talking about his relationship with Bruce and how that was important to him. And then we'll talk about him finding meaningful work. And I think this is really key. This guy, Neil, is a, a really thoughtful, caring guy, but was really struggling. But n- by now, he's found a meaningful work to fill his time, and he has 
some meaningful relationships and people he can talk to when he needs to. And those two little ingredients seem to make all the difference. And 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 really, his he's in a great great direction now. So let's hear from him. How has Bruce helped you? Well, just in, he's just been a good loyal friend, and I appreciate uh, what he's tried done to help me to settle in London and, um, and just be someone to talk to when uh, when the need. My health's been a lot better more recently than at other times in my life. Maybe being busy has been has been part of um, the cure. Um, I also believe that as my friends who've been so loyal have got to know me better and better, and there's always room for getting to know people better, that they themselves have been able to show support and sympathy in the most appropriate ways. Is this a good time in your life? Yes, probably. I've never been busier and uh, never been in contact with so many people. Now, the one thing I do have to say is please put all the leaflets right through the letterboxes. Yep. I feel in incredibly grateful for the opportunity to do what I'm doing. I'm grateful to the people who elected me. I hope I haven't let them down. I hope I will be re-elected. I mean, that depends upon my performance in the last two years. In May, he was re-elected for another term. I don't think there's a councillor in the country who wouldn't like to see themselves as an MP. Indeed, they say every politician wants to be Prime Minister. Um, but I'm quite happy at the moment doing my council work, trying to serve what I perceive as a very great need in Hackney. Well, I suppose I've done many more things than, I, than, I, than um, on previous occasions. But, but whether I've changed inside, I can't say. While hearing Neil saying this is maybe the best part of his life and just feeling feeling his joy and his excitement after really a lot of seemingly challenging times through his 20s and 30s it is really exciting and it reminds us how important one good friend can be for somebody because bruce by giving him a good caring warm home for two months that can make all the difference in him re-establishing himself in London. And I'm sure he had some connections with his government type of city council jobs that helped. So, man, the power of a few good friends and a few good caring people can make all the difference, along with finding some meaningful ways to spend our days. It's not that complicated. And I like what Neil said at the end. He said, I don't know if I'm any different. Because he's not. He's, he's fundamentally the same as that joyful seven-year-old kid. He's fundamentally the same as that 21-year-old homeless kid. So what, what changed? What changed? The river meandered. On its own or through, his, through our own actions or, you know, as the river meanders, it is interacting with all kinds of terrain, different soils, different ecosystems, the river, our lives as rivers are engaged and in, enmeshed and entwined in so much of the world around us. But can we seek out good, simple places where there's meaningful work and there's good people? Perhaps that's, perhaps that's all we really need. 
Well, I hope this has provided some good food for thought. It sure has for me. I feel like I'm still in the digestion process. And that's what we're trying to do here. Just uh, stoke the fires of our collective curiosities about emotional health and culture and, and the rivers of life. So I wish you well. I hope that you know that we're, we're in this together and we're all trying to learn and adapt to a changing landscape. So please do not feel alone out there. I'm with you. We're with you. And we're moving in the right direction. And uh, give thanks for roots when we have them. And give thanks for people who decide to be bereavement counselors. And give thanks to good friends like Bruce putting up Neil. And give thanks to Neil. Uh, keep up the good work, buddy. Look forward to seeing where you're at at 49 up in two weeks. All right, folks. Give thanks. Living and learning. Have a great day. Bye-bye.